but it's just to encourage you and help you along with the idea of this study, trying to overcome the excuses that we have that are very similar to the excuses that Moses had. And so uh, in Exodus chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Exodus chapter 3, and uh, Moses says he has been in Egypt. Uh, He has left Egypt because he had murdered a man, and he came back to or left, fled from Egypt, and ended up in Midian. And now he's out with his sheep. He's walking. It, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3 says, uh, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. So he's walking around, taking the sheep out in a desert place. I don't know if you've been around sheep much, but in a desert place, you have to keep them moving to keep them fed because there's just not that much there to eat. So every day he's moving the sheep to another location. And then in verse 2, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Have you ever seen a desert bush burn? What happens? It's gone. Just Well, this was a bush, and it just kept burning and burning and burning. And Moses, being the smart guy that he is, says, that's unusual. I'm going to go see what that is. So in verse 3, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And then God said to him, don't. Get too close, take the shoes off your feet. This is holy ground. Now, what is holy ground in the New Testament? Where, where is holy ground today? Yeah, that's right, wherever you walk. Because as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit of God inside you. Every step you take is holy ground. And some people think, oh, the church is just so holy. Well, yes, it is holy in the sense this building was set apart for God. That's the reason this building was built, so that we could serve God together, get together and worship and serve him. Uh, but that's not, it, this building is not any more sanctified than my house. I can sit on my couch in my living room and pray to God just as well as I can here. But when we do it together, that's what makes this place special. Everywhere you go is holy ground, especially when you're standing in front of the refrigerator, right? That's holy ground. Just say So, uh, verse 6, God says to Moses, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look on God. Uh, And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. And I know their sorrows. Isn't it neat to think about that? Now, we want God to step in and take all the problems away, right? But look, he said, I've heard their cry. I know their sorrow. I've seen the affliction. God is connected with his people. He doesn't take away the problems but he goes with them, through them with us. Like we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he goes with us. Verse 8, and he said, Now I'm come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, I've been observing this. Now I'm going to take action. 
and I'm going to choose you. And he's going to take him into Canaan land. Verse 9, the cry of Israel has come on me. I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Here's the call to Moses in verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you unto Pharaoh that they may that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So this is a pretty cool thing. Moses is out with his sheep. Now remember the writing of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Moses thought when he first tried to break up the fight and that Egyptian died, he thought the Hebrews would realize he was the one who was going to deliver them. That's what the Holy Spirit inspired Stephen to write in Acts chapter 7. So now... Moses has thought that he was going to be the deliverer, but that was when he was 40 years old. Now he's another 40 years old. Now he's 80 years old. He's been wandering with the sheep in the wilderness for 40 years, and he probably doesn't think there's much chance God's going to use him now. And then God speaks to him out of this bush, and Moses comes up to the bush and talks with God, and God said, I'm going to send you. Now, if God calls you today, he doesn't do it out of a burning bush or nor necessarily with an audible voice. Sometimes it's just the spirit pressing in your heart. Some of you kids may end up being missionaries or pastors or serving in music ministry. Uh, God's going to speak into your heart and life and help direct your path. Uh, but he doesn't do it through a burning bush. It'd be kind of cool if he did. You know, have this sacred bush in your backyard and go out and talk to God. But you don't need to go any place to talk to God. You can pray to him. You are in the presence of God all the time because the Holy Spirit of God is inside you. And God said, come Moses, I'm going to send you to deliver them. Now, what we almost would expect Moses to say, wow, that sounds great. I remember their oppression. I tried to deliver them before. Now I get a chance. Yes. But that's not what he says. He says, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? As we said, this is our summer of no excuses. Five Sunday nights this summer, we're going to look at the different excuses that Moses has. And then we're going to have follow-up studies every day of the week. And we're inviting you to participate in that daily Bible study. It's, it's not detailed, it's not long, but it will go a little deeper in your application of how you overcome this excuse in your life. And uh, so, who am I? That's the first thing that Moses says. Now, here's some of the answers that apply to Moses and to you and I. Number one, you are a unique human being who has been created in the image of God. Hey, look around the room. What does God look like? Well, if he looks like us, he's pretty goofy, right? Now, God himself, the Father, does not have a body. When we were created in the image of God, it doesn't mean you look just like your dad. I've had people tell me that, that they see my dad and they know that we are, we're just alike. In fact, Somebody came up to me this week and he said, do you have a daughter named Courtney and a daughter named Megan? And I said, yes. And he said, I thought there was a family resemblance and your last name's the same. So I just had to ask. And he went to elementary school with Courtney for 
all the years they were at uh, Mesquite Elementary. And, but, so we have a family likeness to our Heavenly Father. Humanity does to God. But God created man uniquely. And it's, it's weird to me that scientists believe in evolution because they study human life and they recognize human life is so radically different than all others. Yes, there are some commonalities, but the common DNA of life is proof of a common origin of life through the creator God. And so scientists then they try and explain away this and that, but the truth is mankind is unique. Only mankind has been created in the image of God. Only mankind has the capacity to do long-range planning, conceptual thought. Animals can respond to things, and they can learn, and they can even learn some sign language. But they cannot communicate and make plans and do things. They can't generate inventions like humanity can because God gave man a little bit of his creativity, and we can put it to use, and we do. Of all the amazing things on planet Earth, only mankind was created in the image of God. So if you see a whale, they're pretty big. They don't reflect the image of God. They reflect the creative genius of God. You see animals here and there, some little, some big. I saw a lizard the other day. It was about that long. It kind of startled me. I was coming around the corner over here, and it came racing along, and uh, I was glad he just kept going and didn't try and get into the office. Although I kind of would have liked to see Megan pull out a desk drawer in the office. (laughs) Only mankind is created in God's image. Angels are pretty spectacular beings. Angels can do a lot of things. Uh, according to different verses of the scripture, angels can fly. Revelation said there's going to be one flying through the sky. Angels can ascend and descend. Uh, angels can appear and disappear. Uh, angels can, uh, one angel could wipe out an army of 180,000 people in one night. Uh, but angels, when they sinned, they were cast out of heaven. Humanity, after our sin, we have the opportunity to be restored to God. Because mankind is created in God's image. Christ came to earth and you didn't come to earth so that he could look like a lizard or a monkey or a dinosaur. He came as a man and he showed us the way of God and he lived and then he died and paid the penalty for our sins. And angels did not get that benefit. Only man. You are a unique human being created in the image of almighty God. And so we have the capacity to have our sins forgiven and not die in our sins as the angels who rebelled will face eternal judgment for that rebellion. But mankind had the opportunity to be saved because we are in the image of God. Secondly, you are called by God into a relationship with him. God said, Moses... Moses. He called him out. He knows your name too. He knows everything about you. He knows things you try and hide from other people. He knows things that uh, embarrass you. Kathy was in Sunday school this morning. Uh, they were, what were you dealing with? I forgot. Peter and his mistakes that he made. And she was talking to the young people and she said, 
hey, we've been here 19 years. What if in the church service today somebody stood up and started naming off all the mistakes that Kathy and I made in the last 19 years? The young people got a kick out of that. They kind of wanted to see that. So. Uh, but aren't you glad that your mistakes aren't written in the scripture for everybody to read and thousands of years later we still talk about them? Uh, in John 6, the scripture says you cannot be saved unless the Father is drawing you. So in order to fulfill the purpose God planned for your life, you need to accept and follow Jesus Christ. Trusting Christ as Savior changes your destiny, but it also brings glory to God. God is glorified when we trust in, believe in the Son. Your salvation makes it possible for you to have a close, personal relationship with God Almighty. And uh, again, God doesn't come to you and call out your name, Moses, Moses, or whatever your name is. But he does, through his Holy Spirit, speak into your life and draw you unto salvation. And then you feel the guilt of your sin. And then you confess your sin and trust Christ as Savior. And then he establishes a relationship with you. Now, um, look at in, in your Bible there. After Moses said, who am I? What did God say? Hey, Moses said, who am I? In verse 11. Then what did God say? Certainly I will be with you. Number three, you are fully connected with the Lord. Fully connected with the Lord. Certainly I will be with you. Now, I thought I was pretty good at letting kids grow up and go off to college. And uh, it's kind of hard when your kids leave home and you worry about them, you think about them, you pray for them. But it's kind of neat when they leave home and... You get to see them growing and maturing. I remember how excited I was to leave home and leave town. I, I left home and left town and lived in California. I was in the Marine Corps. And, and it was exciting for me to start my own adult life. And, and uh, so we drove Jessica up to NAU, and we dropped her off there. And when we left, I gave her a hug and laughed and jumped in the car, and we drove away. And then when Nathan went to the U of A, uh, he packed up all his stuff and his he owned a truck then, didn't he? Packed all his stuff into his truck and headed off for Tucson. And, yeah, we're doing pretty good with this. And then Courtney decided to go to school in Virginia. And, you know, Flagstaff isn't that big deal. It's not very far away. Tomorrow we're heading up to Flagstaff. Uh, it's a couple-hour drive. Okay, it takes more than two. I know people who do it less than two. But it'll take two and a half to three hours, depending on traffic. But still, that's not bad. Virginia, that's a couple days. We drove Courtney to Virginia, and we dropped her off there, and we got in the car to drive away, and I turned to Kathy, and I said, I guess I'm not so good at letting my kids go. Because in Virginia, there's nothing I could do to help her. And when Jess was in Flagstaff, she could call me, and I could be there in three hours. That wasn't so hard. And there were times when I would just take off, go to Flagstaff, have lunch with Jess, and then come back. Uh, But couldn't do that with Courtney. In fact, the only time she came home because somebody gave her 
plane tickets because we couldn't afford to fly her home for the holidays and somebody gave her plane tickets and she flew home and yay, we had a fun time. But it was such a blessing for me when I drove away, I left my daughter thousands of miles away to know that her heavenly father wasn't driving away. Her heavenly father wasn't leaving her. God was there with her. She was fully connected with God through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit of God. She was not on her own. She was with him. Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. He's always with you. And there can be times when you feel alone, but he is with you. You are fully connected with the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I will be with you. And he has said the same thing to us. Number four, you are a person who is guided by the word of God, guided by his word. The Lord spoke to Moses. Moses obeyed the Lord. The Lord spoke and Moses obeyed. The Lord spoke and Moses did. And he did all the Lord commanded him to do. And he worked through that. Moses simply had to listen to the Lord and do his will. Listen to the Lord and do what the Lord said. Well, you and I do that too. We learn the truths of scripture and then we do what the Lord said. Okay, now we got different groups of people tonight. We got some sitting at tables, some in the middle here, including the back table, and then this group over here. All right? This group over here, you guys got to come up. There's three groups of people here. So uh, you guys, each group has to come up with one thing that you do because the Word of God tells you to, or one thing you don't do because the Word of God tells you not to do it. Okay? So there's a group in that back section, the qual's up here, and you guys back there, and then you guys in the middle, you come up with two things, you, either things you do because God says to, or things you don't do because God says not to, and then you guys come up with two more, okay? So we should have, have seven things they may duplicate, okay? What was that, Leah? What does God tell you to do or not do? Obey your parents, yes. And when your parents leave you in, uh, with the grandparents, you have to obey them while your parents aren't there. Just saying. Yes, obey your parents. That's something you have to do. Okay, something from this group over here, one of these three groups. Go to church. God wants you to be part of that assembly of believers. Good, somebody in this group. I've never killed anybody. Don't kill <laughs> Don't commit murder. Okay, back to this group. Back here. What was your one thing? It's, it, God likes it when you giggle, but that's not what it was. What was it? Pardon? Pray? That's right. Pray. Call on God. In fact, repeatedly in Scripture, he 
invites us and commands us to call. Okay, back to this group over here. Oh, you already said, oh, Jeff did. What was your? I'm obedient to my boss, even though sometimes I don't agree with what they say. Yeah, obeying on the job, even though your boss isn't the best job, the best boss. Okay, this group again. Love. Love. To love people. Now up here, put you guys on the spot. You've got to have something totally unique that no one's ever thought of. Obey traffic laws. Obey the authorities that God has put in your life. Even if it's just a light that goes red, green, and yellow, right? I, I go by position, not color. I had to stop and think for a minute. But you are a person guided by God's word. And God's word tells you to do certain things and not do certain things. So you do the things he wants you to do, and you do not do the things he does not want you to do. You're guided by his work. And Moses had that opportunity. The Lord said, come, I will send you. You're going to go, and you're going to do this. And then I'm going to be with you. You are guided by the instruction that God gives to you through his word. And then in a way that Moses had the Holy Spirit of God come on him, in the Old Testament dispensation, the Holy Spirit could come on people and then leave. But in the New Testament, in the church age, uh, God, the Holy Spirit comes and actually lives inside us. So, number five, through the Holy Spirit of God, you are gifted, empowered, and equipped to serve God. Gifted, empowered, and equipped to serve God. Now, some of you kids, you won't even know what you're good at yet. I mean, there's certain things you might be good at. You say, well, I'm really good at coloring, or I'm really good at making messes. Most kids are good at that. Uh, but there's certain things that you could be good at. But as you grow older and as you start... That was weird. That wasn't supposed to keep going. Um, can you back it up? It's distracting. Just arrow back once or twice. There you go. Thank you. That was weird. All right, where was I? There's certain things that God has given you the ability to do, and sometimes you won't know it till later in life, till you're an adult, and then you realize, oh, this is what, how God has been working in my life all to this point. Now I know why he's done those things in my life, and now I can serve him. God wanted to use a guy, Right? Now, if it's God, does it really matter which guy? No, God could use any old guy, even if he's 80 years old and smells like sheep. God could use him. And God wanted to work. God would do a great work through an ordinary guy, forever transforming that guy and forever altering the course of human history. The ability would not be in the guy, but in the God. Romans 8, 9, and 11 says, The Holy Spirit is in you. Romans 8, 14, The Holy Spirit is leading you. Romans 8, 26, The Holy Spirit is even praying with you and for you. The Holy Spirit has gifted you, empowered you, and equipped you to serve God. Now, there's something else that God did for us that he did not do for Moses, but you'll have to study through the home Bible studies to see what that is, okay? 
Ben's going to come and lead us in a song. Victory song. We have the victory. Now, oh, oh well. Uh, can you go back to the PowerPoint and click one time? I don't know what was going on in that picture. But I had that last picture. There's a guy, the very last slide. There's a guy standing on the edge of a big drop, huge long drop. And never mind, just, just go to the song. But God, you can do whatever God... I thought you could jump right to number five. I didn't know you... Okay. Um, hey, stand right on the edge. And I put that thing right in the middle so you can't see the big drop. But it doesn't matter what God wants you to do. You have the capacity to do it. Peter said, God has given you the ability to do everything that you need to for life and godliness. God has given to you. So... You have no excuse. You can't say, well, I couldn't do it. I couldn't handle it. Yes, you can. Because God said so. And he put that capacity inside you. So uh, let's sing victory song that we can have victory because he gave us the victory. And then this week, I hope you'll, uh, if, you, if we don't have your email, you won't get those emails. But if we do uh, have it, it'll get sent to you. So make sure you give it to us today. And then uh, if you don't have email, you can get a booklet and work on it. So uh, just follow up. And let's, say, let's not make excuses. Let's admit when we failed. Let's move on. But let's not make excuses. Let's stand and say.